Hi everyone, this is Kishore Chandra and we are starting Chit Chat. I'm out and about today um, in the park, uh, so please excuse me if there's any outside noise. We're getting started in just a moment. We come on here every day at 6 p.m. Myself and Jay Jagannath Prabhu and we're discussing spiritual topics. Um, every day. So chit, as we all know by now, is a Sanskrit word for knowledge, spiritual knowledge. So that's what we will be discussing. We'll be discussing chit. Um, welcome Madhavapuri. Welcome Gerald. Welcome Sham. We'll get started in just a moment when Jai Jagannath signs on. Welcome Geneva. Hare Krishna. Oh, Jai Jagannath is here. Okay. So Jai Jagannath is just now coming. Hi Bo. Hello. Hi Bo. I'm outside today, so please excuse me if there's any background noise. We just there's finished up. Huh? No, it's it's good. There's it's a lot good? of background noise, but whatever. Uh, we just finished uh, doing Harinam in the park, and it was really, really nice. Nice. Yeah, it was very sweet. Uh, sorry, I'm getting comfortable. No worries. No worries. I forgot so how you got? Huh? You go. No, you go. I was going to say, what, what we got today? Well, I was doing, um, you know, because we've been talking about, like, how can we tr trust leaders, people, people in general, if their self, if their self sadhana, self reform is not in check, if their senses are not in control, how can we really trust someone's words, you know, like that? And we got into this conversation because we were speaking a lot about like performative actions, whether that be performative activism or whether it be performative yoga, right? Performative, you know, so many things like making a show of things. And I think that's a, that's a real problem, you know, like I think it's a real problem. We discussed this, I think, yesterday where it's like the abyss between my external self and my internal self is so far. And not only is it so far, but there doesn't seem to be, in general, there doesn't seem to be kind of like a consciousness or an awareness of like, okay, I have to go towards the internal, but rather the mentality is let me strengthen the external. Let me strengthen the persona. Let me strengthen what people see on the outside. And so I wanted to read this to start because we, I was doing my, um, my Chaitanya Chaitamrita reading today. And I read this purport by Prabhupada that I was just like, I was like, this is, this is it. This is what we've been talking about both in our chit chats and it's what we've been talking about. We were talking about it in, in today's morning sangha that we had with the men. Um, but it, it's uh, Adi Lila Chaitanya Charitamrita 825. And 
basically it's it's a verse from the Bhagavatam, which I really love this verse. I think we've talked about this verse before on Chit Chat. I in the Bhagavatam the verse is two three twenty four, but Prabhupada gives a he gives a you know purport in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So the the verse itself says, if one's heart does not change, tears do not flow from his eyes, his body does not shiver, and his bodily hairs do not stand on end as he chants the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, it should be understood that his heart is as hard as iron. I know. <laughs> and then he said, this is due to his offenses at the lotus feet of the Lord's holy names. And in the purport specifically, Prabhupada says something so wonderful. He, I mean, the whole entire purport is really, really great. But basically, he's saying, he's speaking about how sometimes the Mahabhagavat, or a very advanced devotee, does not manifest such transcendental symptoms as tears in the eyes. Whereas sometimes a Kanishta Adhikari, a neophyte devotee, displays them artificially. And this is the sentence, oh no wait, this does not mean, however, that the neophyte is more advanced than the Mahabhagavat devotee. This sentence I really like. The test of the real change of heart that takes place when one chants the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is that one becomes detached from material enjoyment. This is the real change. Um, and then he goes on to say, if one is actually advancing in spiritual life, he must become very much detached from material enjoyment. So if it's sometimes found that a, Kanisha, a neophyte shows artificial tears in his eyes while chanting the Hare Krishna Mantra, but is still completely attached to material things, then his heart hasn't really changed. <laughs> okay. uh, the change must be manifested in terms of one's real activities. And the reason I wanted to start with this purport is because Prabhupada is so, you know, we were kind of like maybe three episodes ago, we were saying how like Prabhupada's calling people out, you know, this rascal, this fool, fool number one like this demon, materialist, whatever. But what I really like about Prabhupada's purports is that he's making it so practical. He's just like, hey, I la that last line, the change must be manifested in terms of one's real activities. You know, it's like, you can talk the talk, but are you walking the walk? You know, you can say all of this stuff. You can pretend like you're some spiritualist or like you're some great, you know, I don't want to call anyone out, but you're some great social justice warrior. You're some great business person or you're some great whatever. But if the change is not happening within your heart and what is that change you know letting go of material sense enjoyment so if that's not happening then then you know nothing's really changed according to Prabhupada his heart has not really changed I want to hear your thoughts on this yeah that's a really fantastic verse and purport the first thing that came to my mind hearing the purport was that we don't I don't know if we realize how much of the world issues are just due to the desire for material enjoyment. Like, if I were to, even, probably even many neophyte devotees, but especially just like worldly persons, if you were to ask them, what do you think is at the root cause of all the problems that you're seeing manifested in the world today? I don't think anyone would ever have the insight to say it's the desire for material enjoyment. Like, and I, I, I think, I, like, outside of the devotional realm, and I certainly believed this before I became a devotee, there's a belief that we can all just kind of, like, get along and just pursue our individual programs of material enjoyment. 
kind of not understanding the the real nature of material enjoyment how it, it you know the word for material enjoyment is comma which uh, we often translate the word comma as lust is it windy over there it's getting loud no i'm, I'm just right. walking away from the loud music okay so, my, um, I'm so the the word for material enjoyment is comma and which generally is translated as lust. So when comma is frustrated, one becomes angry. Mm. And when comma is satisfied, one becomes greedy. Mm. Dang. It's not like you just walked toward the music. There's music in every direction. It's getting louder. We noticed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to walk away from it. I'll figure it out. Keep talking. I'm listening. So when comma is frustrated, it becomes kroda, which means anger. And when mm. comma is satisfied, it becomes lopa, which means mm. greed. So when you look at the main forces moving the material world or like industrial civilization, it's comma, kroda, and lopa. Mm. So basically what happens is someone's comma was satisfied and they became greedy and more greedy. So they um, did their business in such a way that they started to consume all smaller businesses around them, for example. And that made a few people upset because their comma becomes frustrated. Now we're hearing hip hop. It's, it's all around us. It's all around us. This is, we have a soundtrack today, everyone. Okay. Um, so one, one person's desire for material enjoyment was satisfied, and so they became greedy. And so they started mm. to expand their business, let's say, or their industry in such a way that it, it cripples smaller businesses around them. Mm. So when those smaller businesses are crippled around them, then th those persons who have their own desires for material enjoyment become angry because their desires are frustrated. Mm. And so, and in anger, they become envious or angered at this particular, let's say, organ industry that's monopolizing all the, uh, yeah, exactly. We don't know what happened. When you decide, okay, to, when you decide to move, it became worse. I'm just going to leave the park. I'm going to um, go stand on a corner somewhere. And so when you, yeah, when you, so the, the smaller businesses become angry. And so then they launch a war on this big business. Mm. And, that's, and so then all this fighting begins to take place, all because of the desire for material enjoyment. Mm. And although in this scenario that I've just created, one person's going to look like the oppressor and another will look like the oppressed. But at the end of the day, both parties are actually more or less exactly the same. Mm. They're both prompted or inspired by comma. And one person, so one person's comma was able to be satisfied, so they became an oppressor. Another mm -hmm. person's comma was frustrated, so they became a victim. But at the same, at the end of the day, they're actually mirror image of each other in the sense that both of them are inspired by the same force, mm -hmm. the force for the desire for material enjoyment. So it was sticking out. To me, is that Prabhupada was saying that when one becomes advanced, particularly spiritually, 
or in bhakti, then this desire for material enjoyment is immediately uprooted. And so the very force that would cause you to become angry about something is removed. Mm. Because you have no desire for material enjoyment. So how you can yes. become angry about... Now, I guess you can say the... Still loud? It's pretty loud, but we're, we're trying to tolerate. <laughs> It'll leave more. Okay. Uh -huh. um, yeah, the discussion... Oh, my God. The it's discussion New York, people. It's New York. It's loud, The discussion become... The discussion can become a little bit more nuanced when mm. you're talking about like helping others. But let's just look at it from an individual perspective and we can kind of ex extrapolate from there. It's from an individual perspective. If we didn't have the desire for material enjoyment, then it'd be very hard for us to be bewildered or frustrated by the vicissitudes encountered in life. Mm. The only reason these things tend to disturb us so profoundly is because we also have the desire for material enjoyment. And so that was kind of the first thing that stuck out to me. Uh, if you're really becoming advanced, then you give up the desire for material enjoyment. And that way, the very cause of the problem is uprooted. Mm. But th now this, this is the trick of the, this is the modern dilemma, you can say. No one thinks of Kama as their enemy. Mm. I don't think of Kama as my enemy, particularly at the time of enjoyment. Mm. When one, at the very time of the enjoyment, one does not think of Kama as the enemy. There's a nice purport I'm reminded of as I'm talking. This is from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 3, verse um, 49. Did I say that right? 349? No, yeah, no. 339. 339. So in 339, Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is saying that the knowledge of the knowledgeable person is covered by his eternal enemy in the form mm. of Kama, which is never satisfied and which burns like fire. So if I recall properly, Bhaktivedanta's commentary there, he makes a statement how at the time of enjoyment, we might think that Kama is our friend. Um, but we should know that it is always the enemy, even at the time, and particularly at the time when you're enjoying. Mm. Um, let me see if I remember that right. I'm just looking at the verse. Um, yeah, he says... Yeah, okay, while one enjoys... Okay, therefore this lust is a symbol of ignorance by which the living entity is kept within the material world. While one enjoys sense gratification, it may be that there is some feeling of happiness. But actually, that so-called feeling of happiness is the ultimate enemy of the sense enjoyer. So that means at the time of enjoying pleasing things, we feel that karma is our friend, but actually it's particularly our enemy at that time. Um, mm. And so this becomes a dilemma of making a compelling case for giving up karma. So what I'm trying mm. to say is that karma is at the root cause of all really spiritual and material exigencies. So the solution is we have to figure out how we can remove karma from our, our minds. But when you try to propose that as a solution to the problem, everyone's like, well, what's wrong with karma? Exactly. That's what I was well, laughing about. I was thinking of a crude example. Yeah, I'm thinking of many crude examples, but... <laughs> I'm going to hold my tongue. 
what's what's wrong with comma? And so yeah. and so in this way, no one this is why Parapas says or many I've heard this from many scholars actually. No one actually wants a real solution to the problem. Mm. I I genuinely have come to believe, as particularly in this age of Kali, that no one wants a real solution to the problem. They want legislation. Legislation is not a solution. When you when a real solution is presented, no one is agreeable to it mm. because of being bewildered by ignorance and therefore thinking that comma and then subsequently comma informed karma or activities is just a okay. We just mm. you know we just shouldn't harm each other. We just shouldn't. Well, who decides to harm someone? Like for example, this is this is this is going to be a sensitive example because y'all know how I like to you know. <laughs> maybe stir stuff up a little bit. <laughs> but um, this is a very sensitive example. For example, people don't believe that sex life is meant for having children anymore. You know, our, our whole understanding of sex has been altered irrevocably, 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 <laughs> by like birth control. And it just really changed our whole understanding of sex life. Okay, so we don't believe, as long as you do, whatever you do, Sex, sexually, that's your business. We agree with that. And as long as it's not harming anyone, that argument will be said. Okay, so it, it shouldn't harm anyone. So I'm putting, this is a hypothetical, not hypothetical, this is a sensitive example. So now, because people are, are not doing sex anymore for children, I'm not saying that you have to, by the way. So don't, I'm just throwing something out there for interesting food for thought. I don't exactly always believe the things that I say. Well, <laughs> That's not exactly true. Anyway, I'm flexible. Uh, so just <laughs> allow me that flexibility. But I want to put something as a sensitive example to explain my point. And people say, well, you, sh you can do comma as long as it doesn't harm anyone. Okay, so you want to do comma in the form of sex life. That's one form of comma. And you don't want to have children. So now, how do you replace your society? Mm. Because if everyone stops having children or a large portion of the society stops having children, then how do you replace the population? You don't. That's why in older older cultures, you know, marriage institution was considered very important, particularly for the children part. I don't really think older cultures pre-Victorian era gave a damn about who you loved. They just wanted to know that their society was going to continue, which meant they needed people, they need kids. And they wanted people to have marriages so that they can have proper kids to replace their society. So that's why even in Vedic culture, I know that if you only had one kid, you were still considered barren. Mm. Because you need at least two kids to replace the population. And then you need more, more than two kids to give something more to the, to the community. So do you do harm by not having children? Now, I think if you were asked this question to most people, they would just say no. Okay, so I'm a, let's put another element on here. So you see, and please don't mind me saying what I'm about to say, Again, allow me some flexibility. It's a, it's a, it's an edgy example. A lot of what I've observed is that a lot of people who are considered like educated, particularly we, you know, like the more intelligent people in our society, like objectively educated and like, kind of trained, they seem to be refraining from having children or a lot mm -hmm. of children. And don't mind the next part I'm about to say, and but it's also seen in our our culture that people who aren't educated who are maybe downright ghetto, having a lot of kids, 
and in some cases maybe being incentivized to have kids when you see like in, in America we have the welfare state whereas and I know about this on a personal level where the government gives money to mothers who don't have men in the house and for every kid you have in the house you get a certain amount of money and so that might incentivize someone to have more and more kids without ever intending to have someone else in the house to care for them. Does that do harm to the society? If all the smart people don't have kids and all the not as smart, we'll put it that way, are having tons of kids, does that do harm? Okay, I'm just throwing it as a, it's an edgy example, so don't mind the example. My point is that who gets to decide when, comma, my, who gets to decide what, if my comma or not does harm? Because when you're, when you're considering harm, we usually look at only at an immediate effect. Like, I'm not killing someone, I'm not raping someone, so I'm not doing harm, so what, what does it concern you? Mm-hmm. But when you start looking at long-term effects of these, these sorts of policies of comma, then we see that it, it does a lot of damage to society, for example. And so, you know, um, so yeah, so then the, the problem is comma, or, or comma-informed activities. The solution is we got to remove comma from our mind. Mm. But as soon as you self-suggest it, everyone's not agreeable to it because they think comma is a friend. And, and therefore, I say, no one really wants a solution to the problems. Mm. This, all the stuff that's going on on television or Twitter or whatever we're watching, that's just like, basically, that's literally just bored people walling out. You know, clamoring about this thing, clamoring about that thing. I'm not really convinced that most of us are that interested in a solution. Because as soon as we hear what the solution is, we, we gawk at it. No, that's, no that, that's impossible. That's impractical. I want to I wanna be able to do my comma without any, you know, peacefully. Let, me have, let us have a peaceful, lusty society. So as long as you're thinking like that, people don't want solutions. So how, how are you going to solve it? I think that, I mean, I think I agree with basically everything you're saying, which... Sorry uh, about the edgy example. No, I, I'm, I like the edgy example because it's very real. And I also have personal um, experience in that sense, in the sense that when I, would work, I was working as a social worker for years, and I had to go to welfare offices and sit there with my you know, clients and go again and again to apply for this, apply for that, do, do whatever it is that they needed to, to be done. And it's interesting because it's like, why is, why is stating the reality edgy? You know, right. that's, the wor- that's the world that we live in. Like stating what it's you true. just said. You just said, it seems like the people who are you know, more educated, they're consciously deciding not to have children. And it seems like the people in the ghettos and like whatever, they're somehow either incentivized to have more children or like whatever it is. Da, da, da. And, you know, if you say that to someone who, to anyone, <laughs> if you say that to someone, they'll just be like, I know. Oh, oh, oh my God. You know, like, <laughs> okay, wait, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to bring up a, it's not a meme. It's a video that I, it was really, really funny. And I don't think that I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, make this example more above just race this the video was specifically about race but i'm gonna like lift it up a little bit more but specifically like <laughs> i showed you this i think where it was like the caption was like 
like white people waking up to racism 400 years too late or something like that. And I really think of that, like, let's not make it about race. Let's like make it about like people waking up to how much Kama is like doing harm to you, like actually really doing harm to you. And right. so anyway, I remember when I saw that video, like the girl who's realizing she's just like, oh my God, like this is happening. And she's like having this existential breakdown. And then someone is like watching her the whole time. And I'm imagining that person watching me is like Krishna. Just like sipping some some tea or some drink, whatever. Just like, <laughs> like, I told you that sense enjoyment leads to pain and suffering. And the person's right. like, "Oh my god, how could this happen?" But anyway, back to my example, uh, or to real lived experience. So, you bring this up with anyone. You bring this point that right. you bring up with anyone, and everyone will shout and scream and make such a big hoorah, you know, hoopla about it. How dare you say something so so you know, whatever. But the truth is, and I'm speaking about my lived experience, is that when you go into those welfare offices, that is what you see. There's no, there's no denying it. That is what you mm, see. Mm. That is what you see. And uh, from my personal experience, um, you know, of course, there are people who were down on their luck and some, et cetera, this, whatever. But some, you know, some, what I'm trying to say is some unique circumstance that landed them into that situation. But the majority of people were, were, you know, they were caught in that vicious cycle of like, right. well, this is, this is how I'm getting my sustenance, so I'm just going to do it anyway. And I really like your point about, like, we don't really want the solution. Because, because I remember when I was speaking to many friends about, like, moving in towards spiritual life and that this kind of social welfare system is not working or this political system that we have is not working because people are not doing the real internal work. And to them, all I could have been saying the entire time was like, wah, 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 And then the second that I opened my mouth and say, and I don't drink anymore, or I'm going to stop, you know, being promiscuous. Oh, what? You know, you're brainwashed. You're brainwashed. How dare you not, you know, do this and whatever and blah, blah. And it's so interesting when people say that, you know, like I remember not this Harinam, but uh, two Harinams ago, like some rando dude. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are getting brainwashed. You know, people say things. You're getting brainwashed. And I remember it was our dear friend, Minna Davy, who was chanting. And she was like, yes, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Own it. Own it. Yeah, it's just like we are cleansing our minds we're literally washing our minds with the holy names as opposed to like entering into this like vicious endless cycle with kama where it's, i mean everyone has that lived experience and the reason people don't like to admit it is because it's embarrassing right you know right. it's embarrassing oh here i go falling for the same old bullshit again here right. i go fall here i get duped again it's like you think each time is going to be different oh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna have a piece of the cookie i'm not gonna have the whole cookie you know and <laughs> What's really, oh, this was my crude example that I was going to make. Um, what's really unfortunate, too, is that, you know, some people maybe have a little bit more, what's that word I'm looking for, like, um, dignity about them, where they're like, I'm just going to take a little bit of, like, I'm not gonna... and then you have other people who they're solving this, they're, they're solving the problem with more comma, you know, it's just right. like, you know what I was thinking of? I'm just going to say it. I was thinking of like the, the, the height and the extreme of promiscuity, you know, where right. it's just like, oh, we don't work anymore, you and me. So I'm going to go find someone else. But I also want you to stay. And I'll also be with that person. 
and actually I'm, I'm gonna find someone else too and let's, let's just let's just go crazy you know and i'm just like how does that make sense it's like you know that fire of passion and desire and lust it's only gonna burn more and more and more the more that you see right. it, you know it's right. like i can throw in so many material objects so many people and you'll still have the same old problems you know right. you'll still have the same old like hole in your heart i'll right. end with this because i'm i'm on a rant you know, Raghu, Raghunath, our dear friend, he's always saying that there's a Krishna-shaped hole in everyone's heart. Right. And so we're trying to fill that Krishna-shaped hole with so many things, you know, with love and you know, material love, relationships, things, money, sex, drugs, whatever. We're trying to fill that Krishna-shaped hole and nothing fills the Krishna-shaped hole because it's not Krishna. Right. And so that's that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Just that was that was the first thing that really stood, stood out to me from this purport is the that we don't really want a solution to the problem, mm. which, which mm. is comma, and so the result is uh, the result is that our solutions can only be cosmetic at best. Yes, if I can use that word, um, so that's a that, great word to describe it. It can only be cosme cosmetic at best, and and therefore that's what it. That's what the game becomes about. Just, I, I mean, I swear to God, some of these makeup gurus today are freaking brilliant, like amazing. I saw one makeup guru, they literally turned a potato into a, <laughs> a bomb-looking woman. I, I don't know how they, like, I swear to God, I saw one. Um, a one, potato? It was literally a potato. And they was put it this, a big potato? Was it like a head-sized potato? No, it was no, it was like a regular potato and they were and they put like a, a cloth around it so it kinda of looked like a hijab. And they put like they dude, that potato looked bomb. <laughs> you know, and I, I I also remember seeing this one this one like cos cosmetic thing where no tea, no shade, the girl was looking broke off, right? <laughs> and she like did her face up with the makeup and she looked Bomb, like gorgeous, and I remember the meme. It was like a meme on top of this video, which said, "Like this is totally unfair." <laughs> and it just so anyway, my mind goes to that as I say this point about the solutions being necessarily on principle cosmetic at best because we're not really interested in solving the real problem. Mm. Um, and so what happens is that people have just embraced. A cosmetic industry and when i say cosmetic industry i don't just mean the makeup industry i mean everything yeah. i mean the twitter i mean the ig yeah i mean the the mainstream media alternative media yeah. all of this is basically cosmetic at best yeah. in principle and yeah. we've kind of embraced it and have allowed ourselves to be beguiled by a cosmetic industry yeah. because of our own disinterest to solve or look at the heart of the problem in our own selves. Yes. Or or about this. Or we this just don't want or we just don't want to do the work, you know? Right. Because sometimes you do realize the problem, but you perhaps are not willing to accept that it's going to actually 100% be a lifelong process. So what you're seeing so much is five easy steps to like losing weight or like uh, in three okay. steps you'll learn how to meditate and like Right transcend your bad habits and come to this seven day program and pay $5,000 and right. you'll whatever, you know, like this. And it's really, it's, it's sad, actually, I think, you know, it's really sad because it's like, 
I think people are, not all people, but I think a lot of people do realize like, hey, I have issues, you know, hey, I have problems, I have bad habits or whatever. But this point of karma and like, you know, okay, I, I'm willing to kind of like dip my toe in the, in the work, but I'm not gonna let you take everything. And it's like, you were bringing up this verse, right? 1088, I think, or 1188, what's that? 1088? Okay. Yeah, maybe, it depends. Which About Krishna taking away everything. Yeah. Yes. Ten eighty eight. Yeah. And what is how how does it go? Can you, I don't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hari That when Krishna shows his mercy, he gradually takes everything away. Yeah, and I mean it's like an intense verse, and <laughs> so we're not going to go there. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because it's like we have to be willing to let go of things. You know, maybe not everything at once because that can be very intense and traumatic. You know, but like we have to be willing to let go of things and and be honest with ourselves on like what is it that I'm actually like holding on to? Am I holding on to kama? You know, like am I holding on to enjoyment? And to, I mean, like, yes, <laughs> like I am. I'm like I'm gonna go to a restaurant right after this, and it's you know I'm gonna go meet someone after this, and it's like I really think that there does need to be like a what's that word? Like an overhaul. Right, mm. that's a word, right? Like an overhaul. You know, I've I've spoken to you about this, about how like I'm gonna be taking some space soon. Not from chit chat, chit chat will continue, but I'm gonna be taking some space soon from like everyone, like the world and my family and like everyone. And I just want to like cocoon and like just like let go of the earbuds. <laughs> I feel called out. <laughs> I just want to like cocoon and like be in my study and in my shastra and like really be honest, like. What are the things that I am not willing to let go of? Like, why am I continuously making the same mistakes or walking into the same dead ends? Literally blindly, you know? Like, I think it's going to go different this time. Or, like, right. that, that comma comes and you're just like, hmm, you know? It's, right. It tastes so good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be different this time, Krishna. I, I'm telling you it will. I mean, it's not, you know? So, you know, we've been saying this on Chit Chat so often of like that that choice to radically choose your spiritual life and radically choose Krishna all yes. the time, always. Yes. No, I was the, just going to answer the verse was um, 1088.8. Yes. Um, yeah, so a final thought here is that yes. from comma comes the, from an unaddressed comma, I, w I want to say, comes the embrace of the cosmetic industry. Like you would have, you we would have had to hear the whole chit chat for that to make sense. But from the, um, yes, from the unaddressed comma problem comes the embrace of the cosmetic industry in all its forms. And from that comes just bringing it round, round to the beginning verse that you share. The word which means that this heart essence saram becomes ashma ashma means stone the essence of his heart becomes stone Oof. um and largely i we see the level of cruelty like how come every choice on netflix is like mad violent and that doesn't even freak us out anymore mm. you know so, uh, uh, so from yeah comma from the cosmetic industry when it becomes really gets a grip of your heart because we're always just dealing with a cosmetic solution and not the solution itself, then the heart just becomes ashma. The essence of the heart yes. becomes hard. 
Yeah. And it, obviously, a hard heart is not easily moved by devotion or spirituality. And a hard heart, as I think we'll start to discover progressively in the next decades, will not be moved even by suffering humanity. I mean, it, it's already now. happening. <laughs> it's already happening. But it will, like, you, you can get a sense that it's happening on higher levels. Mm. But it doesn't start becoming pervasive. Frankly speaking, that was why I got out of New York as soon as they started lockdown. So I was like, I'm not trying to get caught in no Hunger Games situation. I mean, that's why, that's why I'm leaving the United States um, yeah. in a few days. <laughs> I feel you on that one. I, I want to like, join you. I will be out of this country. But chit-chat will continue, everyone. Don't worry. Um, I'll let you know but where you, I'm going. You better soon. get some good internet wherever you go. I've, I've communicated with the, the, the people, the contacts down there, and... Uh, the internet is uh, fiber optic, so it should be, it should be, it should be good. Um, but I want to continue. Let's try to remember this. I'll probably forget. But I think this is a really good point about like people not wanting the solution. It's such a nice point. It's like we don't want the solution, and so like what do we need to do for that to? What do we need to do to to want the solution or to present the solution in a more real way? Like I don't know. And then the other point that you made, oh yeah, the other point that you made that I thought was really good, perhaps we can explore tomorrow, is who gets to decide what is harming society? You know, this is such an interesting point because we live so, we live so divorced from what my actions do to literally just myself and then to the collective psyche, to the society at large. And so it seems like there's like this veneer of sovereignty, this veneer this cosmetic sovereignty that we have of just like, I do what I want, you know, blah, 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 whatever, this idea of freedom. But in reality, like, the hearts are turning more and more to stone. And what I'm doing is actually doing more harm than what I think. And I think we're seeing a lot of that come to fruition, you know, today. But that's a whole other topic. Perhaps we can pick up on that tomorrow. We'll see. But anyway. All right. I'll try to note it down so we don't forget. I definitely will forget. So <laughs> try to note it down. Um, Thank you all. I may or may, Jaya, I might have to text you. Um, I might need to cancel Twitch chat tomorrow, but um, okay. I will let you all know. Uh, but hopefully we'll be here tomorrow, if not the day after. And thank you all so much for being here uh, every night, mostly every night at 6 p.m. Thank you, PV Chat, Sanjeev Rani Radha, Kishore Gopal, Kavi, everyone, Shyam. Thank you all so much. And, uh, we'll see you soon. Hari Hari Bull. Thank you, Jaya. Hari, Hari. Krishna. Later, fam.